When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Comic books have been around for almost a century, and in the last two decades, we've finally gotten to see many of these characters brought to life in movies and on TV. On the Moving Panels podcast, we discuss movies and TV shows based on, inspired by, and adapted from the world of comic books. Join me and my guests as we discuss both the good and the bad from Marvel, DC, and even some of the lesser-known comic book companies. Learn what is and isn't from the comics, as well as our nerdy review of the movie or show. New episodes drop every Monday, and you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. So join us for Moving Panels, and I'll see you on the other side of the page. movie viewers and movie lovers, my name is Tim Williams, and I'm your host for the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast, where we talk about all the great and sometimes not so great movies from the 1980s. From blockbusters to cult classics to lesser known treasures we discovered on cable TV or the now defunct video rental stores from our childhood. No matter what flick we choose from week to week, we'll have a lot of fun sharing memories, discussing our favorite scenes, and even learning some behind-the-scenes stories about the cast and crew along the way. So let's jump right into today's episode. Thanks for listening. If you were a child of the 1980s, and there are just some things you'll never forget about those lazy days of summer. Short shorts, tube socks, neon-colored friendship bracelets, Oakley sunglasses that you either had or wish you had, walking around with your Sony Walkman or your boombox with your best cassette mixtape with all the new pop hits, you recorded straight off the radio. Songs from artists like Prince, Michael Jackson, Hall & Oates, Cyndi Lauper, Kenny Loggins, Chicago, Pat Benatar, Def Leppard, and Madonna, just to name a few. But nothing says summer in the 80s to me like summer movies. You've got blockbusters and cult classics like Back to the Future, Big Trouble in Little China, Top Gun, Major League, The Empire Strikes Back, Predator, and Summer School. Well, what 80s movie is the epitome of summer to you? Well, that's the question I posed to some of my previous co-hosts recently. So put on a gnarly pair of shades, break out your Magnum P.I. style Hawaiian shirt, and crank up that AC as Ron West, Jeff Atkins, Charlie Cotter, Laramie Wells, and I share our ultimate 80s summer movies on this very special episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Well, welcome in, everybody. Excited to be with you guys today. It's Like I said, it's a very special episode. So sometimes in life, things happen. We can't get our schedule straight. We, uh, just life happens, and things don't go as planned. That's what's happened recently, and I wasn't able to get uh, together with uh, my friends for a podcast. So I threw out this question of what do you consider as the ultimate 80s summer movie to you? 
because summer is starting, the temperatures are rising, we're cranking the AC more often, uh, it's raining every afternoon like it does <laughs> where I live because uh, the humidity is so high. So school's out, it's time for some summer movies. So I wanted to find out what my friends and my co-hosts thought was the ultimate 80s summer movie. There's lots to choose from, as I even mentioned some of the uh, movies in the uh, intro. So there's a lot to choose from. But uh, so I had my friends who couldn't, we couldn't all get together on one uh, Zoom call. So I just had them either write in or just make their own little short audio recording and send it in to me so that I could share it with you guys. And we just make this kind of a different kind of show than we normally do. And I guess it's cool. It's season two. We're trying new things. About to start season three, so I'm excited to get started today. So let's jump right in. What is the epitome of an 80s summer movie? Now, uh, some people asked, well, does it have to be set at summertime or does it have to be released at summertime? And I said, it really doesn't matter. Just if it's set, when you think, close your eyes and think about summer in the 80s, what movie comes to mind first? So let's get the ball rolling. Let's start with my good friend, Mr. Ron West who has been a uh, returning co-host on several episodes, including The Princess Bride, Coming to America, and many, many more. So hit it, Ron. Tell us what you got. To me, the quintessential summer movie was Ghostbusters in 1984. Uh, As a 12-year-old, I remember that movie uh, came out the first weekend that we were out of school. Usually we were out of school that first week of uh, June. That was the first that was when we got out, and we didn't return until the, the Tuesday after Labor Day. And I remember school being out and Ghostbusters starting that Friday, and several of us made our way to the movie theater, which was about an hour away. And then word of mouth spreading uh, through summertime uh, visits with one another over the next couple of weeks and phone calls. Hey, have you, have you seen this movie? It, it was great. And so uh, that was the first movie that created a, a summertime buzz. I guess you could say for me as a as a child, and of course the movie was a lot of fun. The theme song, Ray Parker Jr., that everyone was running around singing and 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 shouting from the uh, Oldsmobile with the uh, windows down and no air conditionings as we as we drove around wherever we were going. So for me, Ghostbusters 1984 uh, as a kid was the first summertime blockbuster that that I remember. Thank you, Ron. What an awesome awesome movie to get things started with Ghostbusters definitely an a, an epic 80s movie by itself and then yeah it was released in the summertime it was a big time summer hit so uh, I don't have much to add to that but let's just talk a little bit about it like we always do on a podcast we'll give you a little uh, backstory not a whole lot uh, because we will be covered if the if a movie is mentioned that we've covered already then I'll mention that uh, previous episode if it's one we haven't covered yet I'm not going to deep dive too much because eventually we're going to cover it in a full episode. So, But Ghostbusters released on June 8th, 1984, starred Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis, and Annie Potts. Directed by Ivan Reitman, the movie was a monster box office success, bringing in just under $300 million at the box office. And it's such a fun movie. I mean, I remember seeing Ghostbusters... Uh, I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theater. I know I saw it several times on VHS, uh, but it was such a fun movie. And then now, as I've gotten older, to find more of the backstory um, about it, that it was uh, meant to be a much more sci-fi type of movie, not really as much of a comedy. 
Um, but it kind of it kind of morphed into a comedy when Harold Ramis got involved. I also love the fact that um, Eddie Murphy was originally supposed to be the fourth Ghostbuster uh, with the role, which eventually went to Ernie Hudson. And because uh, Eddie Murphy backed out in order to make Beverly Hills Cop, they uh, made that role much smaller, which is why uh, Ernie Hudson's character doesn't Winston doesn't come in until much later in the movie. But that's its own story that we'll talk about when we cover it at some point, which we are going to cover it season three, which starts in a couple of weeks. Uh, they're actually the, the reboot remake. I don't know what you call it, Ghostbusters afterlife that was set to come out last summer has been pushed back to, I think November of this year. So I'm trying to, uh, my plan is to have the Ghostbusters episode to release around the same time as the reboot and our remake or sequel or whatever they're calling it now. <laughs> so, uh, we'll definitely talk more about Ghostbusters as we get close to there, but, uh, just a little bit a few other trivia facts about it because we're going to cover a few trivia facts if we can uh, which I thought were were pretty interesting Uh, in the middle of the film's initial release to keep interest going Ivan Reitman ran a trailer that was basically the commercial the Ghostbusters used in the movie but the 555 number was replaced with a 1-800 number allowing people to actually call in callers got a recorded message of Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd saying something to the effect of hi we're out catching ghosts right now we can't take your call they got 1,000 calls per hour, 24 hours a day for six weeks straight. That's pretty cool. I, I was trying to think if I remember this. I, I, I kind of vaguely remember a phone call. I don't think I remember seeing the commercial, but I think I remember some other kids uh, talking about, oh, you can really call the Ghostbusters and you, you know hear a recorded message. So I have a vague memory that I actually called it and heard the message, but I don't remember it at all now. Uh, which is very possible, but uh, so that's pretty interesting, pretty cool that they would do uh, something like that even back then, and it was a great way to promote the movie as well. So uh, this was the highest-grossing comedy of all time until Home Alone was released in 1990. So uh, for six years, Ghostbusters was the highest-grossing comedy of all time. That's pretty cool. Uh, one of my favorite tidbits about this movie is that it was released the same day as Gremlins in 1984. So, and uh, Gremlins, once again, another great uh, movie. I, I don't really think about that in summer, but it was released in the summertime. But a uh, good little thing to kind of keep on the back burner. We're covering Gremlins for the next full episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. And I've got a very special guest, a brand new co-host, that's going to join me for that episode. And I'm so excited. I'm looking forward to that one. It's going to be a lot of fun. I love Gremlins. Just watched it a couple years ago. Excited to watch it again to get ready for that podcast. But hey... It's going to be a good one. So make sure you tune in for the next episode as we talk about Gremlins with my new guest co-host. So uh, it's going to be fun. All right, moving right along to the next uh, person, next guest co-host, Mr. Jeff Atkins, who just recently was on the Ferris Bueller's Day Off episode, which was a lot of fun and has gotten a lot of listens. Um, That's one of my uh, fastest growing or, you know, most listened to episodes in such a short amount of time. So, uh, Jeff, unfortunately was un- unable to send an audio. So he sent it to me in written form. So I'm going to do my best to do a Jeff Atkins impression. I don't think so, but <laughs> there is going to be a little bit of an impression, uh, here as he talks about which movie it is. Uh, so my apologies, uh, to the person I'm impersonating, but hopefully you'll get it. So this is what Jeff Atkins wrote for his ultimate eighties summer movie. Well, I considered real genius and dead poet society. But since you wanted the best summer 80s movie, I thought it needed to be hot. How hot? Okay, here goes my impression. Fool, it's hot. 
I told you again, when you're born on the sun, it's hot. I saw, it's so, it's so hot. I saw little guys, their orange robes burst into flames. It's that hot. Do you know what I'm talking about? What do you think it's going to be like tonight? It's going to be hot and wet. That's nice with you, a lady, but ain't no good if you're in the jungle. That is my impersonation of Robin Williams in Good Morning Vietnam. Yep, Good Morning Vietnam it is, Jeff says. So much to love in this movie. Honestly, I would watch it just because Robin Williams gets to let go on screen as a DJ and just be himself. Well worth the ticket price right there. The movie, though, is a, this great blend of hilarious humor, humanization of the Vietnamese people, and also the action sequences of Robin unknowingly setting himself up to participate in the Vietnam War. The movie has a lot to offer that keeps me coming back to it year after year. So let's start from the beginning. Airman, what does three up and three down mean to you? The end of an inning. Great line from the movie there. Robin Williams plays an Air Force DJ that has been reassigned to Vietnam to help with the morale of the troops. His, his commanding officer, Sergeant Major Dickerson, is the complete opposite of Williams. He is a hardened military commander that finds zero humor in the war or in life. He and Robin are at odds from the very beginning. The movie was also my first introduction to Forrest Whitaker. He assists Williams throughout the movie and does a good job of being the straight man to Robin's freight train of hilarity. I thought Whitaker gave a genuine and almost innocent performance and is still one of my favorites of his. The movie, though, is about Robin Williams and his interactions with Vietnam. Williams as a DJ is as you would expect. When he wakes up at 5.30 a.m., he is so groggy and just wants to go back to bed. But when the clock strikes 6 a.m., the switch flips inside Robin's head and he lets it loose on the radio with complete abandon. What follows is a non-stop comedy and entertainment adventure on the radio which still holds its humor well 35 years later. He was, one, he was a once-in-a-generation wonder. As the movie plays out, Robin begins to interact with the Vietnamese people. He makes friends with the owner of a local bar, teaches an English class, goes on a date with a Vietnamese woman and her entire family, and unknowingly befriends a young Vietnamese boy who is later revealed to be a Viet Cong leader. It is this personalization and humanization of the Vietnamese people that draws Robin into breaking censorship rules and talking on the radio about what is actually happening in Vietnam. On the whole, I love this movie. It continues to be one of my favorite 80s movies as well as one of my top three Robin Williams movies. I rank it just behind Goodwill Hunting and Dead Poet Society. Well, there you go. Thank you, Jeff, for uh, sharing that. I agree. Good Morning Vietnam, fantastic movie. One of my favorite uh, uh, Robin Williams movies of all time. I remember, I don't think I saw this one in the theater, maybe, but I remember this was one of the first VHS video cassette tapes that I ever purchased once we got a VCR. I think the first three we bought, or this is what stands in my mind, Untouchables, Lethal Weapon, Good Morning Vietnam. So I've seen those movies so many times over and over and over and over again. But here's a little bit about the movie. A Good Morning Vietnam was released December 27th, 1987. So it was actually not released in the summertime, but as Jeff said, because it's so hot, you got to watch it at summer. <laughs> it was directed by Barry Levinson and starred Robin Williams, Forrest Whitaker, Bruno Kirby, Robert Wool, and J.T. Walsh. So, uh, great movie. Just a few quick trivia before we move on to the next one. Uh, as Jeff definitely alluded to and everybody assumed, Robin Williams ad-libbed all of Adrian Cronauer's broadcast. So, it was actually based on a true story of a DJ named Adrian Cronauer, but he ad-libbed all of the broadcast. In order to give the trailers a more military feel, scenes of Cronauer on the air in military fatigues were shot specifically for the trailers. So, I thought that was interesting. And this is the fourth highest grossing film of 1987, making $123.9 million 
in the U.S. alone. Wow, that's a lot of money. So thanks, Jeff. That's another great choice. I'm loving these uh, suggestions so far for the ultimate 80s summer movie. Uh, Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. But moving right along. Uh, Mr. Charlie Cotter is next on the list. Uh, He just recently did our episode about Sleepaway Camp and uh, also did one last summer for Major League because he's a horror fan and a baseball fan. And so it was good to have him uh, add in his thoughts on this one. So I can actually say that I'm kind of surprised because knowing how big of a horror fan uh, Charlie is, I was really expecting like a Friday the 13th or a Halloween, you know, uh, a horror movie in the genre. But he totally shocked me with this pick. But I love his pick. I think it's fantastic. So without further delay, here's Mr. Charlie Cotter sharing with you his ultimate 80s summer movie. Hey, everyone. It's Charlie. When I think of an iconic summer 80s movie, the very first movie I think of is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I know Tim just recently did an episode over this, but that movie is just so much fun to watch that movie and live vicariously through Ferris. is just so entertaining. Whether he's going through life doing the simple things like swimming and going to a baseball game or if he is doing the outlandish stuff like posing as the sausage king of Chicago or being in the middle of a parade going down Main Street. It is just so much fun, so entertaining to watch that movie. Um, Ferris even has a fantastic quote in the movie that I love. And he says that life moves at you pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around, you could miss it. And that movie captures that quote perfectly. That's why he says it at the end of the movie. So you, it'll stick with you. Um, it is just such a fun and entertaining movie to see all the crazy stuff that they will do to get a day off of school and have fun. Um, what they have to do to break Sloan out of school and Ferris has to pose as her dad. That's such a funny scene. Um, the way that Ferris then has to convince Cameron that they need to take the Ferrari out. Um, such a good scene. It, and it is perfect because it actually makes it look like Ferris and Cameron are best friends and that they've known each other forever. Um, such a fun movie, such an entertaining movie. And when I first saw it, it made me want to be Ferris. Um, it was just such a perfect movie for the summer, get you in the summer spirit, and it will always hold a special place in my heart because I love this movie. That is awesome, Charlie. Thank you so much for sharing. I mean, I, are you shocked? I was shocked. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm not shocked because of because of the movie. I'm just shocked it's coming from Charlie, who is such a big horror fan. But anyway, uh, yes, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, another fantastic, phenomenal 80s flick by itself. But then you add that it's a summer movie. It's so choice. I highly recommend it. <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day Off was released on June 15th, 1986. It was written and directed by John Hughes and starred Matthew Broderick, Alan Ruck, Mia Sara, Jeffrey Jones, and Jennifer Grey. Of course, uh, me and Jeff, who you just heard from a few minutes ago, we just recently did this episode, so there's not a whole lot to, you know, we're going to retread that a whole lot. So if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go back and listen to it. We uh, did some good deep dives 
and uh, actually got some good feedback on that episode from the good guys at Buzzing the Tower podcast. If you're looking for another podcast, 80s themed podcast to listen to, definitely check uh, those guys out. They're a lot of fun and uh, their podcast is great. So it was good to hear uh, their good reviews of that episode. So uh, I appreciate that. If you're listening, Buzz in the Tower, I appreciate the support. So here's a few trivia things that I think I may have covered. I don't remember if I covered these or not, but these are real short uh, that I thought were interesting just to add to this episode. So about Ferris Wheeler's Day Off. Cindy Pickett and Lyman Ward, who played Ferris's parents, married in real life after filming the movie. But they later divorced in 1992. So that was a big thing in the behind the scenes that I saw for Ferris Wheeler's Day Off is that they met on set uh, or they met before filming started and was already kind of a little connection there. And then as they began uh, filming the movie and kind of being a a couple in the movie, they're like, hey, this might be more than just uh, some acting going on. And so uh, they were happily married for uh, a few years. Uh, The shot of Ferris playing the clarinet was done on the spot. Someone spotted the instrument as part of the set. Matthew said that he could play it, which of course he could not. Never had one lesson, and then he just starts, you know, making noise with the clarinet. So that scene was completely improvised, so that was kind of interesting. Uh, this is probably one of my favorite trivia things, so I may have mentioned this before. I don't remember if I did or not, uh, but this is probably my favorite little tidbit about this movie. Ferris laments about not having his own car. However, he owned a synthesizer, which in 1984, that synthesizer cost $8,000. So the good and the bad is, he, he wasn't really, you know, cheaped out. I mean, the, his parents spent a lot of money on his synthesizer, but at the same time, it, it he could have bought a used car for $8,000. Uh, guitar, I'm not guitar, uh, car or a synthesizer. Synthesizer, car. Uh, I'd be leaning more towards the car as well, especially being a senior in high school. But I digress. So thank you, Charlie. <laughs> Excellent choice. So good. So good. So good. Uh, Ferris Wheeler's Day Off, definitely an ultimate 80s summer movie. All right, we're starting to wrap this thing up. We got uh, next on the agenda is Mr. Laramie Wells. Uh, uh, you know, uh, returns a lot as a guest co-host here on the 80s Flick, Fas- the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. Uh, so I was excited to hear his thoughts. And once again, Laramie, he's been on a lot of different episodes, but if you know Laramie, you know he's a big horror fan as well. So once again, I was expecting... You know, maybe The Lost Boys, maybe, you know, Friday the 13th, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, something like that. Nope. He hit me with something totally different. But once again, an excellent choice and good good reasoning behind it. So let's uh, move right along. Here's Laramie Wells sharing his ultimate 80s summer movie. Here we go. Summer movies have always gone hand in hand for me. Uh, summer just seems to be the time where I finally get to sit down and watch a bunch of movies uh, from just the crazy type of movies, family movies, action movies during the day to horror movies or more dramatic movies in the evening. But I don't really have a go-to summer movie. Now, if you were to ask me what movie from the 80s represents summer, then hands down, it is National Lampoon's Vacation. I mean, John Hughes, who wrote the movie, said that he based it off actual experiences of summer vacations, and I totally agree with that. I mean, it reminds me of when I was a kid, piling into the family vehicle, having all your stuff. You know, we didn't have a really big vehicle, so we even had the stuff like on the floorboard, and we had to just get our feet just right. Um, You know, we had stuff piled beside us and whatnot. And then, of course, you had to find a way to entertain yourself 
on the road trip because this was before cell phones. I didn't have a Game Boy and, you know, handheld devices weren't really a thing all that much. And even now as a dad, I can totally relate with Clark Griswold. I mean, yes, the story is over the top. It's exaggerated for entertainment purposes, but honestly, the idea is valid. You have a father who plans a trip. He's very excited about this trip and having this experience with his family. And then, of course, nothing goes as planned. And that has happened so many times with me and my family. But no matter what, the dad is going to make sure that the family has a good time. Even if it results in his own miserable experience, the family is going to have a good time. And that is what makes the very first National Lampoon's Vacation so iconic to me and so much fun. And so, yeah, for me, it's National Lampoon's Vacation. Holiday Road, Holiday Road, <laughs> good choice Laramie, I mean come on, it's not summer without National Lampoon's Vacation, that is a perfect summer movie, fantastic choice, man, such a, such a great movie, uh, We of course we covered this one uh, last summer as well, uh, myself and Chris McMitchin who wasn't able to participate in today's episode. Uh, but if you want to go back and watch, listen to that episode, I highly recommend it. Uh, it was one of our first episodes, still kind of getting our feet wet, as as it were, uh, in the podcasting world. So just remember that when you go back and listen to it. But it was still a lot of fun. Chris and I shared some uh, family memories as well of going on vacations or, you know, just vacation memories that we remembered. So it's a good episode as well. So National Lampoon's Vacation was released on July 29th, 1983. It was directed by Harold Ramis and starred Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, Michael Anthony, Anthony Michael Hall, not Michael Hall Anthony, uh, Dara Barron, and Christy Brinkley. Just a few trivia things. Once again, could have covered this, don't remember, but these were a few just quick blurbs that I thought were worth mentioning. In the scene where the Griswolds are in the parking lot staring at Wally World, they're actually looking at the Santa Anita racetrack. Harold Ramis said they cut the racetrack out of the frame and replaced it with a hand-painted picture of Wally World. So, a pretty fun fact right there. Uh, many bits in the film were improvised, as most of these we found out as well, uh, including Clark's dance with the sandwich, which was one of my favorite scenes, Clark's send-off to Aunt Edna, which is hilarious, and Rusty's chugging of the beer, which, another funny scene there too as well. Uh, I like this little fun fact as well. Chevy Chase appears in some scenes wearing a blue Chicago Bears ball cap. He actually wears the same Chicago Bears cap throughout all four vacation movies. So nice little piece of trivia there for you. So thank you so much, Laramie. Once again, fantastic choices. Ultimate 80s summer movie. There are so many to choose from. I mean, even I think I want to say that we did a uh, bracket for this maybe last year. I think, and there was some discussion about movies that were released in summer, but weren't really set in summer and, you know, vice versa. So this was kind of fun just to kind of say, it really doesn't matter. Just what do you think uh, is your favorite? So now I guess it's my turn to share what my favorite is. And this was a tough one because like I said, there's so many different movies to choose from. Uh, I have a few runners up. I want to mention, I'm the host. I get to mention my runners up. I think Jeff kind of mentioned his as well, but it's kind of hard. I, I just, I kept thinking, I was like, I, I, every, every time I thought I had one, I was like, Oh, what about this? And then what about that? So, but I'm gonna give you my three runners up, uh, in no really particular order. I think there's two that were kind of 
fighting for first runner up, but so I, the one that wasn't, um, uh, that is definitely when I think of summer, I think of this movie. This is not a movie that I saw in the theaters. It's one that I'm pretty sure that I found on VHS. Maybe I saw it on cable, but I, I'm pretty sure it was a VHS movie. As I think I mentioned in a previous episode, uh, at one point in my life, we lived on a military base and at the library there, they had uh, VH, you could rent or not rent, you could check out VHS tapes uh, instead of going to the video rental store. And of course it was free. You could, I think you check out two at a time and you got to keep them for like a week, I think was how long you could keep them. So of course during the summer, I mean, I'm there every, I mean, I'm checking out two movies a day. This is before you had, you know, 50,000 cable channels and, you know, 16 different streaming services and content was every YouTube and you know, we didn't have phones in our hands to watch stuff. It was like, if we wanted to watch something, you're either at the movie theater or you're watching it on your TV, which was only about 13, maybe 15 inches. <laughs> they weren't big, you know, well, at least where I live, we didn't have the big, I had one friend that had one of those big projection TVs, but that wasn't the norm where I lived. So, uh, but this is one of those, I know I, I must have checked out at least 20 or 30 times between June and August. And it was just, it was a comforting summer movie and it's got summer in the title from 1985, it's Summer Rental uh, with John Candy. It's a fantastic movie. It's kind of under the radar. I think a lot of people have seen it if you're a John Candy fan. It's not really a big blockbuster of his like Uncle Buck or um, uh, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, but it's definitely uh, a great uh, family vacation, summer vacation movie, kind of in the same lines of uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. So if you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. Uh, I think you can stream it now on HBO or HBO Max. I think I saw, I was looking for it uh, a couple of days ago and saw that it was on there. I think I'm going to try to watch that uh, (laughs) maybe today or sometime in the next week or so. Uh, But that's just a runner up. So uh, my other, which was really close to being my top pick, uh, was another movie, once again, set at summertime. Uh, and, and I probably, if these two were available the same day, I probably checked this one out with summer rental and would watch them back to back. And what's funny about it is they're very, they, they have some similarities in the third act of the movie. And I don't want to give it away if you haven't seen them, but they, they do have some very strong similarities. But, uh, the other movie I'm mentioning from 1986 is one crazy summer starring John Cusack, Demi Moore, Bobcat Goldthwaite. Uh, once again, it's a funny movie. You know, this is a time when John Cusack was making all these teen comedies, uh, better off dead, um, hot pursuit, uh, the sure thing. So this is kind of him in it before he got to say anything, which I think is his ultimate teen, uh, movie. Uh, but this is kind of that same thing, really close to kind of better off dead kind of, I don't know if it's the same writer or director, but it has some of the same kind of quirkiness, uh, in it. So, but One Crazy Summer is fantastic. Uh, Demi Moore is great in it. it. It's just so funny. And it's one I haven't seen in a while, so I really want to watch it again. Uh, but I haven't been able to find it on a, just streaming. I'm, I'm going to have to rent it. Uh, but, I, but once again, I'm, when I find Summer Rental and watch it, I'm going to probably right behind that watch One Crazy Summer as well. Because those two movies for me go kind of hand in hand. So maybe that's why I couldn't pick one over the other for the, those two. But uh, but once again, kind of hidden gems if you're not, you know, you, were, you didn't grow up in the 80s. And once again, it doesn't make a lot of top 10 lists. Uh, but if you're looking for just a, a, a fun, you know, mindless entertainment, <laughs> you know, comedy uh, from the 80s during the summer that set in the summer, kind of set the mood for a summer day, you definitely check those two out. So 
the one that all that I kind of went back and forth with my top choice is is these two or is this last uh, runner up I have and I would call it my first runner up and this one was really hard I, I thought this was this was the one and then all of a sudden this other one popped in my head it's like nope that's it I know this is my one so my first runner up and I'm stop stalling Back to the Future Michael J Fox Christopher Lloyd Leah Thompson Crispin Glover uh man back to the future is such a phenomenal 80s movie just hands down by itself um it's such a great movie and you're like why have you guys not covered this for the podcast little little side note we actually recorded an episode with a guest co-host that i haven't had back and i really need to get him back on the show um so if you're listening you know who you are i'll be talking to you real soon about getting you back on um but we recorded it and we had for some reason we just had a, a real serious audio issue that we were unable to fix and then we kept talking about not just Back to the Future. We kept dipping into Back to the Future Part Two, and then back to then back Part Three, because all three are were made in the '80s. And so I was like, well, maybe we should. So we talked about maybe doing one episode. Where we talk about the whole trilogy or breaking it up into like you know, if there's three Fridays uh, or if there's five Fridays in a month, we can do one. We can do all three of them within a month. And I've still been kind of floating that idea around. Once again, this isn't why you tune in for the podcast to hear how I create the podcast, but uh, it's definitely on my list to do again. I'm just trying to find the right way to do it because it's hard to talk about Back to the Future 1 without talking about the sequels, Uh, but I think now we've kind of done a couple sequels already, so I I think I know how to navigate that a little bit better. But anyway, Back to the Future, fantastic movie, released in the summer. I remember seeing this movie in the movie theater. I actually remember seeing it twice in the movie theater, like within a week of each other. I went to see it by myself, and then a friend of mine, I went to his birthday party, and uh, after the birthday party was over, there was a couple of us still kind of hanging out, and I think his mom was like, hey, you guys want to go to the movies? I'll take you guys to the movies. And we're like, oh, yeah, let's go. And uh, But I think he wanted to see Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And I had seen... Had I seen it, had I seen it already? Maybe I had. I don't remember. But... I had seen Back to the Future, and one of his other friends had seen Back to the Future. We were like, no, dude, you've got to see Back to the Future. It'll blow your mind. It's so great. you got to go see it. And so we convinced him to go see Back to the Future instead of <laughs> Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And uh, I remember walking out of the theater with him, like, hey, man, wasn't it? Nah, do you wish you would have saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure? I was like, oh, man, this is so great. So we had a great time. So all that to say, Back to the Future was like just, you know, they were so neck and neck. It's like a photo finish between... Back to the Future and what I choose as or cho- what I've chosen, what I chose as my ultimate 80s summer movie. Are you ready? Here we go. Tired of Stalin. It's a one word title. You'll know it when you hear it. My ultimate 80s summer movie is Batman. 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 <laughs> I think I said it too fast. 1989 Batman. And, and here's why. I think with like, uh, as Ron mentioned, like Ghostbusters was a huge phenomenal hit, but it became a hit like more by word of mouth. When I think of like Batman, there was so much hype leading into it to get there. I mean, it was just, it it was just rolling with anticipation. One of the first movies, well, not for it, besides like a Star Wars movie, it was one of the first movies that I was genuinely really, really excited. I could not wait for it to be in the theater uh, to see um, and I, this is one of those movies. There's, there's only a few of them, well, more than a few, but you know, a smaller amount of number of movies that I vividly remember seeing in the theater. Uh, I, I'm not like Ron. I don't remember 
I don't remember everything. He has he has memories of like I went to this theater with these people and saw it. I don't have that get great of a memory, but I remember going to this theater and I don't remember the name of it now, but I know it was on Mount Zion Boulevard outside of South Lake Mall in uh, Morrow, Georgia, where I lived close by where I lived at the time. Uh, it was behind Turtles. If you know what a Turtles record store was, it was behind there. So any of my uh, Georgia peeps know what I'm talking about. You can put in the, you can uh, send me an email. But uh, I remember going on opening night, which was June 23rd, 1989. Uh, I remember sitting in the back of the theater, even though I don't like sitting in the back of the theater anymore. I cannot remember who exactly was with me, but I think it was like three or four of my good friends. And we were all excited about going to see it. Uh, it was a packed theater. And I have vivid memories of when the opening started and the Warner Brothers logo comes up and it's that darker, you know, uh, gray. And then that Danny Elfman score starts and you're sweeping through like looks like, you know, tunnels or whatever. And it, it comes up to be the Batman logo. Even when I watch it now when it comes on TV or I watch the DVD or whatever, I still get excited during just those opening credits. It's still awesome to me. But the one scene, and this is why this is, I think, one of the reasons why it, it was so etched in my mind as a as a top summer movie for me. The one scene I remember being in that theater, I remember there being like this this audible gasp in the theater, and then just eruption of, of cheers and applause. This towards the end where Batman is in the uh, Batwing, and it's a shot of the full moon, and the Batwing comes up out of the clouds and stops right in the center of the moon where it looks like the bat signal. Everybody just went crazy, just berserk crazy. And I was just like, this is the greatest movie I've ever seen in my entire life. And, you know, just being excited about it. But once again, it was a huge phenomenon. The Batman t-shirts were everywhere. The black shirt with the yellow logo. Uh, I would draw that logo over and over again. And I was already somewhat of a Batman fan. I was not into the, really the comics, but... I had an, uh, an aunt of mine that had a Batman record when I was really little, and this is back during the Adam West Batman, so it was like, I don't remember if it was like clips from the show, but I remember the I remember the album cover having pictures of Batman on it, Batman and Robin and running down the street and the different characters, and so I was just mesmerized by that as a kid, and then I would see some of the Batman rerun shows, the 60s Batman, so when this movie came out, it was a totally different take on the Batman that I knew, and it was just so cool, but I had... That Batman t-shirt, uh, I remember like it was hard to find or everybody had it, but you know, you had to go to a certain store to find it. I don't remember all that specifically, but uh, once I had mine, I probably wore it two or three, two or three times a week. Uh, I wish I, st- well, I couldn't fit it now, but I wish I still had one now, uh, but it's great. It's one of my favorite. It, it, it is, I mean, Michael Keaton is my Batman. Uh, I think I was on Laramie's uh, podcast, Moving Panels. And we discussed about, or was I on there? Or was I, No, I was listening to his podcast. It was him and somebody else talking about it. And we had a conversation separately about who we thought was the best Batman. Michael Keaton for me. So anyway, as I said, released in June on June 23rd, 1989. Directed by Tim Burton. Starred Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, Kim Basinger, and Robert Wool. What else can I say about this movie? It's awesome. Uh, a little bit of trivia. We have not covered this one yet. It's one of those that I keep putting on the calendar and then I keep pushing it back. Uh, and sometimes like the big, big, big movies, it's like, I, I, I want to have the time to really like just totally engulf myself in it. And so I try to find those spaces where I have that time to do it. So here's a little bit of trivia about Batman from 1989. Michael Keaton actually came up with the famous I'm Batman line in the script. It was only listed as him to say, I am the knight. So 
Which would you have liked better? I'm Batman or I am the Knight. I like them both, but I'm Batman now. It's so iconic. So, uh, my my favorite facts about Jack Nicholson, who was fantastic as the Joker. Uh, Jack Nicholson loved his performance in this film so much that at one point it is rumored that he watched the film once a week at his house. So he loved himself so much he watched his performance every week. So, And then domestically it was the highest grossing movie of 1989. Worldwide it came second to Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade which was also released in 1989 and also another fantastic 80's summer movie. Man, what a great episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I want to thank my guest co-hosts uh, that were able to contribute. Ron West, Charlie Cotter, Jeff Atkins, Laramie Wells. Thank you guys so much for being a part. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate your support. It's been really cool. And once again, I don't get to do solo episodes. It's like the first real solo full episode. So to kind of talk to you guys, since I don't have anybody to kind of go back and forth with, I just want to take this minute and just as we're closing up season three, because Gremlins is going to be the season finale of season two, wrapping up, I said season three, wrapping up season two, Gremlins will be the season finale for season two, and then we'll start season three, uh, the beginning of July. It's been so exciting to watch the numbers grow of listeners. I'm just amazed. I, I don't do this for the popularity. I don't make any money. I make, well, I get a little bit of sponsorship from Anchor, but it's, you know, I'm not buying any cars with it. Uh, But I do it because I love it. I I love to talk about movies. I love 80s movies. It's a passion uh, that I've had for a long time. So to know there are other people that are just as passionate about it, to be able to talk to my friends about these movies and, and, uh, you know, watching some for the first time or having them watch some for the first time, it's a joy. Uh, And so I I just thank you all so much uh, for being a part and for supporting the podcast. Uh, don't forget to like or subscribe uh, to our ch- uh, like or subscribe the podcast. Uh, find us on social media. I talk all about that in the intro and outro. So I'm going to let you go. Thank you so much for listening. It's been a fun episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And join us in two weeks as we talk about gremlins. Uh, until then, thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the 80s Flick Flashback Podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, we have a few ways for you to do just that. One way is to send us an email to movieviewspodcast at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voice message to the Anchor app. You can find the link to leave a voice message in our episode show notes. If you do leave us a message, we may just use it in an upcoming mini-episode. Another way to reach us is through the new 80s Flick Flashback Podcast Facebook page, as well as our Movie Views Instagram. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, be sure to give us a five-star rating, leave us a stellar written review, and go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. No matter which podcasting platform you're listening to us on, be sure to read the episode show notes to find more fun facts and behind-the-scenes trivia we just weren't able to fit into this episode. That's all for now. Join us again next time for another 80s flick flashback. You're still here? What's up, dudes? I'm Jerry D. of Totally Rad Christmas, the podcast that talks all things Christmas in the 80s. Toys, movies, specials, music, books, fashion, and fads. 
If it was gnarly during Christmas in the 80s, he's got it covered. Wait, is there a lot of things to talk about for the 80s and Christmas? Well, you got the movie giants like Christmas Vacation, Scrooged, and A Christmas Story. There are TV specials like Muppet Family Christmas, Claymation Christmas Celebration, and a Garfield Christmas Special. Plus classics shown every year. You also jam out to Last Christmas, Do They Know It's Christmas, and Christmas in Hollis. But most of all, it was a time for the most bodacious, best-selling Christmas toys ever, like He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Cabbage Patch Kids. Yes, them too. We cover them all, plus much more, including standard segments like Hap Hap Happiest Memory, Gagney with the Spoon, The Other Half of the Battle, and Chant with the Littles. So tune in to Totally Rad Christmas everywhere you get your podcasts. Turn the clock back and dive into those warm and fuzzy memories. Later, dudes. It's over. Go home. Go.